2: Welcome to an extra awesome-tastic episode of the Nerdist Podcast. Quick business first, uh, DC, Northampton, your Nerdist Podcast live dates have been rescheduled. Northampton on November 30th and DC at the 930 Club on January 6th. If you've already purchased tickets, then those tickets will be good for either one of those shows in the city that you bought them in. Uh, And if you haven't yet, then you still have a little bit of time to get them. Go to Nerdist.com and click on the Live tab at the top to find out more details about coming to those shows. Myself, Matt, and Jonah will be there to uh, perform live, record the episode for the week, and to give you hugs. Hugs! Hugs. Oh yeah, hugs. No, but really just hugs. I'll be coming back to Portland November 9th. I'm going to PALs. I'm gonna read an excerpt from the Nerdist Way and then answer questions and say hi to people and high five some folks and sign some books. They don't even have to be my books. Shit, I'll sign anything. That's Wednesday, November 9th at the PALs downtown on Burnside Street at 730 p.m. And please tune into the Conan O'Brien show on TBS Thursday, November 10th. I'll be a guest on the show. Not that you shouldn't watch the show all the time anyway, but if you care, I will be on the couch talking about stuff and things. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Carbonite Online Backup. Are your computer files backed up right now? Are they backed up? Are they backed up? Are they backed up? Uh, Because if not, and your computer crashes, or you hear the clicking, spinning disk of death, then um, you're going to want to hit someone in the face. And the minimum that you should do in life is not hit people in the face. Carbonite will keep you from hitting people in the face by storing all of your files online. You have access to them from any computer with an internet connection. Also, there's an app for your smartphone or for your iPad. Unlimited backup is just $59 a year. And then when disaster strikes, you got your files. And you don't have to hit people. So start your free trial today at Carbonite.com. Use the offer code NERDIST and you'll get two bonus months if you decide to buy. That's Carbonite.com. Use the offer code NERDIST. And now this incredible episode. um, I have long wanted to get Neil deGrasse Tyson on the Nerdist podcast. And finally, uh, my good friend Eugene Merman hooked us up. Eugene is a regular uh, co-host on Star Talk Radio, which is a phenomenal show that you should check out. It's on iTunes. You can start talk radio or go to start uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson is a brilliant astrophysicist. He's director of the Hayden planetarium. And he's also a research associate in the department of astrophysics at the American Museum of Natural History. But beyond that, he is a likable, super funny guy. So he's the perfect meld of brilliant scientists and super personable and very relatable. And um, Myra and I are big fans. I was in New York uh, last week doing some press for the book and, and Matt Myra came out. Just for like 10 hours, just to do this podcast with Neil deGrasse Tyson. That's how much of a fan he is. So, probably the best part was that then we got to stick around and co host Star Talk Radio with Dr. Tyson as well. So, this is a, a huge day for checking off boxes on the Nerd Bucket List. That episode of Star Talk will go up November 13th, and you can access it by going to startalkradio.net or going to iTunes and searching Star Talk. That episode is appropriately titled Time Lords, and it's all about the science of keeping time. But that's in the future, and this is the present, and the present is the Nerdist Podcast episode number 139 with Neil deGrasse Tyson.
1: Now entering Nerdist.com.
0: That's <laughs> hes correct. Thank you. <laughs> the, uh, this is a nerd show. Isn't it? The reel to
2: reels have been activated. <laughs> uh, we are recording. That's uh, happening. Okay. I'm getting the high sign. That we're uh, very odd. Yes, it's Nerdist podcast. This is the most official intro we've ever actually had for the for the program. Yeah. Uh, we're in New York. Uh, we are recording uh, just off Central Park West. Neil deGrasse Tyson is in the Yay. studio, and Neil, uh, Dr. Tyson, Neil. Uh, well, thank
3: you for that one person sitting ovation. That's <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> okay.
2: There's not enough room in this closet we're recording it to stand up for an ovation. It is a it is a uh, spiritual
3: ovation. Well, I feel it. I feel the love. I appreciate <laughs> that.
2: Uh, I'm very excited to have you on. And Matt also I'm more excited. Probably Matt is so excited to have you on. Matt actually I literally flew out. Just for this. flew out, got in this morning. He He's flying back this afternoon. Sound just for excited? You. <laughs> oh, hang on. Okay, it's happening. You're gonna get. Uh, you're gr- you're gonna get, up. Inside. You're going get
0: hot jets. A nerd. Uh, no, when we first, across. when Chris and I sat down and we're talking about the podcast, we're like, "Who do you want to have on?" And I was like, "Neil deGrasse Tyson." At some point, and that was like 140 episodes ago. Oh, okay. And we yeah. finally, we finally worked it out. Yep. Good job. That
3: means this moment is at some point. <laughs> it is indeed, okay. <laughs> indeed.
2: This also means that because this is being met in Matt's life, it's very downhill.
0: From him after his. <laughs> yeah, no. So this <laughs> is all downhill from here. Got nothing. This is what we refer to as a zenith of moments. I'm dying tomorrow.
3: <laughs> so, <does laughs> but it just, you can do happily. My appearance on your show. Does that mean I can totally nerd out on the show? Absolutely. Um,
2: yes, yes. If you if you are able to stretch your stretch your nerd wings as much as possible, I assume you will be able to out nerd us. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> you are of uh, superior <laughs> intellect, uh, and I'm I'm a little intimidated. But it's
3: not intellect. It's nerditude that's matter that <laughs> Nerdi- matters here. Nerditude. Yeah. But uh, so
2: you know, I I know you've been. uh, I know you were uh, interested in astrophysics uh, going back to a a young teenage, a teenage boy. But a lot of no, I was nine. Okay, get it straight. Skyview
3: Apartments. (laughs) Thank you. Somebody did his homework. I grew up in the Skyview Apartments in the the Bronx.
2: All right. Well, you just glossed (laughs) over that. I would have been creeped out if someone (laughs) knew where I lived when I was
0: nine years old. But if he hadn't put it in a book, then he could have been (laughs) creeped (laughs) out. But you remember, he didn't want anyone to. I suck it up like a sponge but every
2: kid when they're nine or ten says oh, i want to be an astronaut i love the stars I, you I know we, we look to the stars and then so what what was it about you what, what was it about it specifically for you where you said nah i'm sticking with it like how did you not reject that in your teen years i was, I
3: was i'm old enough so that back then it was the apollo era so anyone who mentioned science it was assumed the apollo astronauts were, were what was influencing you but i knew that that NASA mostly was just going into low Earth orbit, a couple Mm -hmm. hundred miles above Earth. And then when they go far, they go to the moon. But I knew enough about the cosmos to know that the moon isn't going (laughs) in. The moon (laughs) is the nearest possible cosmic object. And I was interested in black holes and galaxies and the Big Bang and the fate of the cosmos. And so uh, my interest was not space exploration driven. It was and it was a journey of the mind, mm-hmm. not of hardware.
2: In other words, in, I mean, the idea of the the, inf- the universe as as an expanding model or, or just as a static model? No,
3: or- no. The data has always shown that we're expanding on a one-way trip forever. Just get over that fact, okay. first of all. We're not coming back. It's a one-way trip. But I knew that. And just the large-scale universe is what, what, what titillated me, not astronauts in orbit around the Earth. It's okay. Pure. So it was— the pure science of understanding how the universe works, not whether I can be strapped to a capsule and sent somewhere between here and the moon. How do we – how how do you
2: conceptualize the universe? Like how do you – because, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of reference on Earth, I think, that really – can explain like what direction it's expanding, how like is it even yeah, he, is it three four dimensions five? Dimensions, like how you're the,
3: asking an important even philosophical almost metaphysical questions. Let me re- reword it in a, please, in a slightly please, different please, way. Please. If I want to tell you how big the universe is, if I want to tell you how big anything is, I'll say, "Oh, that apple is the size of a softball," mm-hmm. or that house is the size of something else. There's always some other thing that you're familiar with that I'm analogizing to. Sure. Now you're going to ask me, how big is the universe? And I say, oh, it's as big as, and I've got nothing to refer to. Mm-hmm. So there comes a time and a point where in discussing cosmic subjects, the thing itself has to be your referent. And therein is the challenge of most people to grasp these concepts. Sure.
2: No, I understand. I, I, you, years ago, I read this book called The God Particle by Leon Letterman, which was uh, you know, all about the search for the Higgs boson mm-hmm. in the early 1990s. And I, You have Higgs
3: boson literate listeners? <laughs> we cool. do Higgs actually. Well, let, well I got I to do a Higgs boson. We'll do. We'll talk. Oh, we'll I'm go te- there.
2: I'm telling you, people who come to our live shows, or you know, they say, uh, you know, there's a lot of graphic artists. There's also a lot of engineers. There's a lot of there's a lot of med students. There's a lot of uh, a lot of young scientists who listen to the podcast. Cool. cool. Uh, because we make we talk about science, but then make boner jokes too. So it's like we cover both. <laughs> we try to bridge science and humanity with boners and farts. So hopefully that's that's the sweet spot of where we're at. It's just mostly boners. <laughs>
0: Our show is mostly, but, mostly <laughs> but,
3: <laughs> but what you're saying is that the topic uh, stimulates your anatomy well, in curious it, ways. Exactly, <laughs> uh, and maybe Th- that's another way to
2: consider these two factors. And maybe therein lies the God particle. But uh, <laughs> but ultimately, I, uh, I you know, but when I'm reading this book about quarks and subatomic particles, and I have nothing to re- you know, like the concept of it is,
3: I ke- like you said, I kept having to stop because like well, I don't know what to compare that to. Here, here's a here's an interesting fact: the electron is smaller than our smallest. Capacity to measure anything. So as far as our data are concerned, the electron is simply a mathematical point in space. Right. We have no idea how small an electron actually is, and it may have zero volume for all we know. Wow. So that's another limit of from large down to something that's so small we can't tell you how small it is. I'm
2: I'm also curious about. Um, uh, 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 our, our three-dimensional world, and then, but then the idea of the Minkowski space and then adding that layer of time.
3: I love higher dimensions because that just messes with your head. I just, <laughs> it does. I just so love it. Can I give you a quick nerdy please, thing? Please, please, please. No, just to just mess with you. Sure. Just something that, so you don't go to sleep on time tonight. So <laughs> if you look at a, a line segment, mm-hmm. right, it's bounded by two points. That's what uh, the ends of a line. Sure. So a line segment is one dimension. Mm-hmm. The two points are zero dimensions. Yes. Right? Look at a square, a square is two dimensions bounded by one dimensions. Okay. okay? Each side is a one-dimensional right. line segment. Okay. Okay? You got that? So, in other words, we had a one-dimensional line bounded by two zero-dimensional points. Gotcha. We have a two-dimensional s- square yes. bounded by four one-dimensional lines. Okay. Now we have a cube, a three-dimensional cube, yep. bounded by six two-dimensional sides. Okay. You with me so far?
2: We're throwing some z-axis
3: in that one. Okay, we got to see. So now, let's go to four dimensions. Okay. A four-dimensional cube... Guys, I can't go to four dimensions. Okay, wait, wait, wait. wait. Man, I, go to four dimensions. My mom said I can't go to your, four your dimensions. Your engines can take
2: it. It's okay, man. It's cool. All the cool kids are going to four dimensions, okay. Matt. So let me know when to pull up. So
3: just remember these boundaries. The The line had two boundaries, each zero dimensions. Yes. The square has four boundaries, each, two di- each one dimension. Yes. The cube has six boundaries, each two dimensions. Got it. The four-dimensional cube has eight boundaries, and each boundary is itself a three-dimensional cube. Oh my God! Oh, 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 <laughs> that oh. is so oh. cool. Oh. A side. We're not even smoking weed. A side <laughs> of this physical object, yes, is a three-dimensional cube. That's that's one of the boundaries of it that uh, that's
2: that's difficult to wrap the brain around well that's that's my so, nose just started bleeding
3: <laughs> so so higher dimensionality takes you takes you to new places and you realize how much of a prisoner we are of the three dimensions in which our sight and senses have uh, have evolved We're feeble data-takers on what's really going on in the universe, and I I lament this daily. That's why I celebrate all the methods and tools that science has brought to bear to decode the universe. They 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 completely supplant our five senses, which themselves just leave them at the door and embrace all the machines because they're the ones that knows really what's going on. If we lived in a two-dimensional world, would we know that? That's what the four-dimensional people are asking of us (laughs) (laughs) right now.
2: Do they know they're only in three dimensions? Those
3: smarmy 4D pricks. (laughs) Those 4D, they're so... How dare they? They're so snooty about their privileged (laughs) place. They think they know everything with their three-dimensional boundaries. They look at prisoners in a prison cell and say, just step out into a fourth dimension and you escape. (laughs) What the hell is wrong with you? I
0: bet 3D TV gives them a headache, too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, that pile of shit that is 3D TV gives them...
3: So you draw a, a, a pen around an ant, let's say. You embed an ant in a sheet of paper and draw a square around it. That's I'm a prison, doing it now. That's a prison to an ant. Okay. Because an true. ant can't just jump out of the page. It's embedded in the page. Right. So a square is a prison to an ant. Yes. A, a, a cube... On all You know, walls on all sides is a prison to a human, mm-hmm. but not to a four-dimensional creature because they would just step out. It, if you wanted to imprison a four-dimensional creature, you'd have to bound them on, in four dimensions, not only three. Is time that fourth dimension? For us, it's a fourth dimension. But you can imagine another spatial dimension as I was describing my sure. Ascent of the Cubes. Going, going in, out that'd in a way. That would be a great sci-fi <laughs> I'm, I'm title. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying The, it. Ascent, the, ascent, of of the, the ascent of the Cubes. The Ascent
2: of the Cubes. <laughs> I, it doesn't. Even, you know what? It doesn't even matter what it is. The, it just, you just you have the title. You have some sort of an airbrushed uh, sexy alien on the cover. That's kind of what
0: happened in Star Trek with the Borg. The Ascent they of the Cube. They just cubes. had a Borg cube. Is that is that yeah, all it was? the cube came. They could have been it. called the ascent of the cubes. That's what I'm saying. Well, why didn't they? I don't know. All right, they weren't thinking outside of the cube. We'll get we'll get <laughs> Lindelof on that. We'll get <laughs> Lindelof on that. Who's writing the Star Trek movies?
2: Um, when I was a, when I was a kid, I, this always stuck with me. There was a there was a, an advertisement for Discover magazine, and. Uh, and then I, it was this guy and, and he had this very dramatic voice and he said, uh, imagine you could travel in a spaceship close to the speed of light. I'm, I'm listening. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, uh, so when you leave, um, I, I get on that spaceship. I, I go away for an hour. I come back to Earth. I'm an hour older, but I'll find that a baby is now an old man. Is that is that sort of is that is that is that Einstein uh, relativity? Yeah, yeah, the way.
3: yeah, pure pure special relativity. You get that in relativity 101. I'm an idiot and so I don't could you please explain that to
2: me
0: a <laughs> I remember bit. in 7th grade there was someone did a project on Einstein and we trying to explain it and and they didn't quite grasp it and I had to go I raised my hand, went up to the chalkboard and drew it out for them. Like what Einstein's theory? Of What'd relativity. you draw? I drew a timeline along with a spaceship and showing that the faster this person accelerated, they were moving – they were going at a certain speed, experiencing time a certain way. While on Earth, everyone was just experiencing time the same way. But What did you get in way. this class? Uh, this was social studies class. <laughs> social <laughs> oh, so F. So <laughs> they were just really didn't want that part of it. Let's go but to anyway. the judges, uh, Dr. Tyson. But it, uh, it
3: is a it – uh, it's a, it's real. We know it will happen. And some people say, how do you know? Have you done it before? Mm-hmm. People always ask, have you, well, we have. Yeah. Not with humans, but there are particles which, when left undisturbed, will decay into another species of particle in a certain amount of time. Take that same particle, accelerate it. In any one of our chosen particle accelerators sure. to 99% the speed of light, its internal clock shifts and ticks more slowly as you observe it than your clock does. The particle, so you can prolong how long it takes the particle to decay. That's what's interesting about but it. But
2: how do we
0: it's measure an internal things? Clock. How do we measure things outside of our perception? Well, they've done you can perceive it though. They've tested it with like It's a not clock. about perception is it? Are, are you still the particle we started here or have
3: you turned into another particle? No, man, I've grown. I've moved on. Well, there it is. These particles move on, they decay and the time it takes them to decay lengthens when we speed them up. That and in exact in the exact way that Einstein relativity prescribes. So it's not just some weird thing happens, we don't understand it, so we wave our hands. We've got this calculated with extremely high precision, and it happens every time. And we're we're given no reason to think that if I accelerated your butt that fast, that somehow you would behave any differently from a subatomic particle.
2: Because ultimately, they are the building blocks of all the things that we know.
3: Beautifully put. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Good job, Chris. If you're comprised of the particles that they themselves are influenced by this time dilation, so too will you. But why is there no unified field theory then? Well, so that's a, that's an interesting question. It's we assume there's one to be found, don't we? I guess we do. That's kind of audacious, isn't it? Well, because we, we pl- like simplicity. We we are layering onto the universe our own philosophical requirements for it to behave as we wish. Sure. The universe historically has not really. Uh, obeyed us in that way. I mean, uh, uh, Kepler was sure. At uh, Kepler, the mathematician, early 1600s, a contemporary of Galileo, by the way, sure. both of whom were contemporaries of Queen Elizabeth the Just to put all this in time context, who was and Shakespeare? They're all running around at the same time. So, when you look at what the uh, what he tried to do, he tried to figure out the orbits of the planets, and he said, you know, there are five. Platonic solids. You mm-hmm. know these five solids? One is a, these, are, these are solid shapes where each side is the same polygon. Yes. So you have a tetrahedron. That's a pyramid. You have a cube. We all, we all know cubes. Then there's an icosahedron, an octahedron, and a dodecahedron. Mm-hmm. There's only five. He was so enchanted by this, and he knew that there were six planets— he said, well the planets are in the cosmos, and that's 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 the the majestic universe. It must it must obey this beautiful math, because math is perfect. So surely these it can't be an accident that there's six planets and five platonic solids. Well I'm thinking, now how's he gonna pull out of this one, right? <laughs> so because those numbers don't match. So he said these five platonic solids must represent the separations among the six planets. Because there are five separations. Oh. Yeah, you see? So he spent 10 years trying to work this, sure that it was the right way, because that's how the universe must be. That's the elegant way to do the universe. He didn't know that we would later discover more planets. He didn't know that he was just barking up the wrong tree. He didn't know that planet orbits, in fact, were not perfect circles, that they're ellipses. Sure. He would later figure that out. But the point is that the history of science is replete. With people trying to layer their own philosophical elegance, and that was
0: ten years, sixteen hundreds. They didn't even have to shower, so they had like way more time. (laughs) Yeah, they
3: didn't. They they, that's right. They only showered if they needed to in their life. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, It it also is interesting the idea of, uh, and I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to get too much into this, but it always it is something that irritates me is just this sort of like this hardcore creationist idea of irreducible complexity. Where they, you know, where they say, like, well, nothing can be more. I mean, like, you can't. that's as simple as that thing can be. And, like, yeah, if you looked at a frog a thousand years ago, you would have said that's as simple as that can be. Then you find out there's something in that. Then you find out there's something in that. Then you find out there's something so there's in something,
3: that. There's something more um, sinister than what, even what you just described. If you walk up to something and say this is irreducibly complex, which means, of course, that there is no way this could have existed in a simpler form – and function, and, and function, and it contains some complexity, in, in either in that case or in another, some complexity that we will never understand, mm-hmm. thereby requiring some kind of intelligent force operating sure. on it. So here's 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 what's particularly sin. I have to use the word sinister. Mm-hmm, there, mm-hmm. what's not sinister? Inexcusably hubristic. It's right. I can't figure out how this works exactly, and so no one. <laughs> <laughs> no one alive today can figure out how this works. No one who will ever be born will figure out how this works. Right. Therefore, it is intelligently designed. Right. That, that is the height of hubristic thinking. It, to, to assert – that because you can't figure it out, no one who will ever be born after you will be able to do so as well.
2: I mean, I don't want to. I don't, and I don't want to spark a. I don't want uh, people. Uh, listen, if if people who are listening are, you know, if you're if you're very religious and you even if you even if you believe in creationism, i I'm fine with whatever people want to believe. But I will. But when you look at the history, re, re, science has never truthfully had to ebb its definitions. Because of religion. Yeah, that's and, correct. And, and, and that's it's correct. always been the reverse. And yet, that's correct. people still say, like, okay, okay, yeah, no, I know all about that. But this, this time, this has to
3: be intelligently designed. Like, get
2: yeah, what they were saying that 500 years ago about this other thing. What, Really? Really? Because yeah, in
3: the end, people really just want to believe what they want to believe. Yeah. That's the answer. Yeah.
2: And they and it's very difficult, I guess, to we, bridge these two you're concepts. You're approaching
3: it like it's a rational conversation, but it's not. Right. So you just get on with life. Right. And you must And have in a free society, we're allowed to have you know no there's no there's no tablet in the sky that requires that people think rationally.
0: There is, it's an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a very I'm a very big believer in like, hey,
2: you know what? Whatever whatever you need to believe to feel happy and get through life, go ahead. Just don't, you know don't
0: I, you know, to a point, that's okay. I guess. But then when you're blatantly wrong, it's just very annoying.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but some people don't mind even being wrong. They don't see the world that way.
2: Yeah, it, it is much easier. It is much easier to sort of adopt a prefab belief system. Hand it to you. Hand it to yes. you rather than to have to investigate your own... It's much harder to
3: actually figure it out yourself.
2: And it's harder It's harder to admit sometimes like, I don't fucking know. I don't know. I don't know what this is. Right. I and think- in
3: science, if you can't admit you don't know, you will never make a discovery in your life. Yeah. The a scientist has to be not only comfortable with ignorance but embrace it. Because therein is that force that attracts you to the frontier where you put a foot in what is known, a foot in what is unknown, mm-hmm. and you investigate with the intent of discovery. And uh, so <laughs> you get these newspaper articles where a new science result comes out and the lead, lead sentence is, science, scientists will be sent back to the drawing board. And they're, <laughs> they're baffled with it. I'm, if you're an active research scientist, you are always at the drawing board. You are always yeah. baffled. That is not a new state. That is a permanent state. And so the idea that a scientist might not know something is presented as some kind of major finding right. in the newspapers but in fact that's a daily finding
0: it just never it never stops yeah the, well I was, I was gonna say like wrong things that are wrong like for instance in popular culture I was just reading Sky's Limit your memoir which is very good pick it up get it on Kindle or buy the real book or or buy an Kindle. actual it's book okay, I got it you. on Kindle yeah, yeah uh
3: you thanks for the plug I, we, we no, didn't absolutely. pre-negotiate that plug no no thank no you.
0: we plug what we like here we don't <laughs> plug it. things because we have to okay. no we do because we like <laughs> unless there's a sponsor on this episode the, we, uh, it's, uh, it's we don't funny. know yet okay. uh, uh, <laughs> the sponsor is uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson um, but uh, you know
3: who the sponsor is it's the radio show that I host that is lending me to you for this Star Talk. I,
2: I have plugged your StarTalk I plugged radio Star radio we have talked the shit out of Star Talk on the Nerdist podcast
3: Talk producers have lent me to you
2: they are and I appreciate that they have well you have you know uh, Eugene Merman is is a is a is a pal well, of ours. These are your
3: peeps, your comedic peeps. These are our peeps. And also,
2: let me just say, and then I'm gonna let Matt yeah, nerd no, no. out on you some more, but but um the, you know, I feel like uh, what you do is just this nexus of these two worlds, is you you have a foot in both worlds. You are a legitimate uh, scientist as as director of the Hayden Planetarium and, and and Nova Science Now and all the stuff that the stuff that you do. But also you you kind of have a comics brain,
3: which is which is a which is a rare. Is he complimenting me or is he insulting is. me? Okay. It is. Yes.
2: It's almost a dichotomy. Like it's a very interesting. Like you you live in these these two worlds where you can take these concepts, which you know. Um, I mean, listen, I, I Leon Letterman is a very funny. Is he's a funny guy, and the book is interesting, but. You know, it do, it is a it is a bit of a dry you know, and you are able to take these concepts and make
3: them very relatable, well, which no, is so, huge. No, but so first, thanks for analogizing at least part of me to what goes on in the comedic world. I can tell you that the universe is fundamentally hilarious to me. So <laughs> I'm just really sharing the, the 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 humorous things that I notice about the universe. I don't. I'll never start a conversation. Did you hear the one about the you know that's <laughs> you know so so. It's really just an observation about the universe that I just think is hilarious. And I also have deep respect for the comedic arts because I think the comedians are the keepers of all that we value in culture. They understand what people care about. They understand what upsets people. They understand what makes people laugh. And there's no other profession in this world that are experts at those simultaneously those three three things.
0: We're
2: also very self obsessed. Uh, we suffer yeah. from anxiety. I cry a lot. Uh, but beyond, because beyond all
3: that, what is what is the sort of fun? Wait, wait, wait. We interrupted Matt
0: five uh, minutes ago. But no, I was going to say, was gonna say was one of the things I thoroughly enjoyed was how annoyed you were at Titanic's night sky. Oh!
3: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I must announce that they're cutting a 3D version of Titanic, and there's more sky they want to add. And I got a phone call from. From Jim Cameron's people to hand them a sky that they can use for the 3D version, which is going to come out obviously next year because that's the anniversary, the centennial of the sinking of the ship.
0: Oh, oh, that's right, yes. 2012. Excuse me. Oh my gosh. And Fenway Park's construction. I don't care about that. <laughs> I do.
3: <laughs>
0: so the, night, the sinking
3: the... of the Titanic and Fenway Park. What? Okay.
2: So Fine. they. So are, are there? So the nights. The nights guy and Titanic I, it was basically just a complete. Just an artist like poke, poke, poke. It was was worse than that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) If it was only that, I'd say, okay, they just got – they ran out of time. They ran out of budget. But it was worse than that. Now, Now, I wouldn't even care, by the way, if he didn't tout the film as being historically accurate. Do you remember all of the campaigning that went on around the release of the film? He went in a submersible down to the sunken ship itself and shone light on the (laughs) staterooms. And he he knows what the sconces and the the patterns on the dining on the china and the silver. He had detail that none of us could actually double check. Yeah, and we just trusted that he was doing this right. I don't have a problem with that. But now he puts a sky over the sinking ship. We know the date, the time, the longitude, the latitude, <laughs> the weather conditions. We know where the moon was and was not on that night. There is only one sky Kate Winslet should have been looking at in her <laughs> delirious state as she's paddling on that plank, looking up, singing something to herself. There's only one sky she should have seen, and it was the wrong sky. Not only was it. See, you got me started if here. Night Please, night. Night. Continue. <laughs> I'm gonna That's give you me a bed. <laughs> Hold me back. You. I've seen hold me back. <laughs> so it was not only the wrong sky. Near. The left side of the sky Far. was a mirror <laughs> reflection. Wherever you are. Of the right side of the sky. So it was not only the wrong sky, it was a lazy sky. And I was livid. I said, uh, you know, would you dress Leonardo DiCaprio in tie-dyed bell-bottoms for this movie? No, because it's in 1912. You, you you, You want historical accuracy because that matters to the integrity of a movie. And so, yeah, I I was all over him.
2: I love, this. but I love Fantastic. the idea of like if if there was a planetary affliction. Well, what's wrong? Ah, I got a little bit of a lazy sky. I got to <laughs> go see a doctor. But, like
0: his anger was like exactly what I felt. But it that. should be. It's his in profession. Tra- but in Transformers Three, I have to harp on this one more time. But they- you're saying
3: there's something that wasn't accurate in Transformers Three?
0: Well, there was um. a lot that wasn't accurate. But of all <laughs> wait, wait, the things, Doctor wait, wait, Tyson, please. <laughs> I, I know what you're Sorry. about to say, but please, okay. you should say it. You should I, say. I will, say I it. will stay. No, shocked. you
3: should say it. I don't know. I, I don't but mean
0: here was the one thing that I found. <laughs> Egregious! It was that they went to visit the moon, the landing of site of Apollo Eleven, and the ascent stage was still attached. They would not have gotten off the moon. Well, it was very. I, s- I got so mad at that. I day. did. I,
3: m- oh, because no one would recognize just the base. That's the problem. I would have. You know what else though? <laughs> well, because you were deriving relativity in your seventh grade class, so sure you would have. <laughs> the other problem is that there's no planet-sized robots.
0: No, <laughs> no, no. no. Uh,
2: they weren't planet-sized. Uh, Christopher Unicron were... was a planet-sized <laughs> robot. You Matthew wasn't in. The movie. Oh, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Whatever. Um, uh, what, when
3: when Superman came out, the 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 original. Yeah, movie? the Richard Donner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, what he did the first one? Did he?
2: Richard Donner did the first one. Okay, yeah.
3: so. <laughs> I was in the theater with my girlfriend. And towards the end where Lois Lane dies and he flies backwards around the Mm -hmm. planet to reverse time. Yeah. She knows, you know, I'm the astrophysicist, right? So she asked me, uh, can can he really, is that really possible? (laughs) And I said... He's a man in blue pantyhose flying, (laughs) you know, like, are you not questioning anything else in this movie but that, you know? I mean, so it's interesting how people slice and dice what it is they want to question. But if you could reverse the planet, wouldn't the continents just all smash into each other? what would happen is you'd first have to stop the planet. And the act of stopping the planet would have everyone at this latitude... S- fall over and roll due east 800 miles an hour, okay?
0: <laughs> First of all, That's what I always imagined, just, so yeah. funny just start me. there,
3: start there. <laughs> now you wanna accelerate the thing back again. I'm
0: gonna tuck and roll, you guys, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm tucking, I'm tucking.
3: I'm just saying, okay? You're at 40 <laughs> degrees north or south latitude, your sideways motion, as carried on Earth's rotation, is about 800 miles an hour. The equator, they're going 1,000 miles an hour. Okay. You stop the rotation of the Earth and you're not strapped down to Earth, it's the seatbelt law, by the way, writ large on, Earth's pla- pla- on a planet scale. You're you're not attached to the Earth. While the Earth is slowing down, you do not. You still have that speed, you'll roll over. So it would have wreaked so much havoc on the Earth. He would have killed everyone. Everyone <laughs> to save Lois Lang.
2: I would love to see one I would love to see someone like re like just add something on YouTube or something where he starts spinning around and you see him going, No and there's Marlon Brunner going, You will never interfere with human history and then he starts spinning and then they cut to a wide shot of the planet and you just see people flying out into space, going, Fuck Like and then he just goes, Oh, and then he just leaves Earth. He just leaves Earth, but he's completely destroyed the planet. But
3: actually, I recently tweeted that if you're on the equator and you, we stopped rotating, that you would gain about a half a pound. Oh, yeah, because the rotation, the centrifugal force of the rotation, is actually trying to fling you. Oh, off so the it's surface. keeping your weight. No, no, it's there is a weight that is your actual weight. M- Minus mm-hmm. the attempt of the Earth to fling you off of it. Okay. So at the on the equator, if you weigh 150 pounds, you're 150, 160, you'd weigh a half a pound more. 142. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> a half a pound more. 281. Two, 281. Just, okay. So being you double honest. that. So you'd be like a pound less. You're twice yes. me. Oh, thank God. Oh, good. <laughs> It used to be 3 times. You really thanking God for that? Is that was God <laughs> uh, responsible for this? Okay, excellent checking. Point. Excellent. Just point. checking your your excellent religious surfing there. <laughs> so Santa would stay his same weight on, po- on the pole on the pole because there's no centrifugal force operating sure. on him. So that's I just want to tell you that. It was, it was as long as we were on the subject <laughs> yeah. of the rotating earth and its effects. Yeah. Now here's something really cool. Yes. All right? Rotate the earth faster and faster. I'm going. I'm doing it. The equatorians? Yes. These are the new speed, the new rates of
0: people, the equatorians. <laughs> Those yep. half pound heavier people. Yeah. yeah the, the,
3: <laughs> oh, guys, they're the lead characters in the ascent of the cube.
2: There you go.
0: <laughs> the
3: equatorians in the ascent of the cube. The equatorians will get lighter and lighter and lighter. And if you rotate Earth so that the equator is turning 17,000 miles an hour, yep. they will be weightless. Because at that speed, they would have achieved ah. orbit. So you can just stand there and weigh less and less and less. And the instant comes where you weigh nothing, you are in orbit around the Earth. You could yes. stop the Earth beneath your feet, and you would continue to stay in orbit just that, that, that That's way. what a lot of the Real
2: Let's Housewives do are doing now to get to lose weights. I'm just going to move faster to, uh, to my uh, orbital uh, speed. Yeah, so here's the problem. i got to get my equatorial weight. People
3: who want to lose weight, what they really want to do is lose mass. They want to lose
2: mass, yes. <laughs> because the
3: mass is the material content of your Absolutely. body. Absolutely. What your scale shows changes if you're in orbit, on the moon, on Mars. And flinging it
2: back a little bit, when we discover the Higgs boson, Higgs
3: boson will know exactly what it is that gives, pro- that gives mass. To the Higgs objects. boson is the grantor of mass to
0: all particles. Yes. That is cool. It is really and cool. And they're still
3: looking for it. They haven't found it. The, the parameter
0: space is shrinking on it. I'll probably find it like Wednesday or something. Guys,
2: well, did you check under the pillows? Yeah, like, I know, sometimes right? like I I sit down and shit falls out of my pockets oh, and there's, there's stuff in the cushions. There goes the Mozart.
3: So what? So what would be? It'd be fun if we found it, but it'd be more fun if we didn't, because that meant all the theories that we used to tell us that it should be there have to be revisited. Okay, we'll be back to the drawing board
2: <laughs> <laughs> once again. Matt, uh, Matt sent you. Matt, you you talked about uh, you had sent me a thing which I haven't had a chance to watch yet, which was a oh, panel yeah, uh, from.
0: Uh, from James Randi's, uh, the Randi Foundation, the, you and Bill Nye, the panel with Phil Plyth, mm-hmm. and uh, Phil Plait. There's Plyth, no, no H Batistran- 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 in this. Phil Plaith, bad astrotomer. At bad astronomer Yeah. We follow each other.
2: I'm good friends with Phil. He's a great guy. I know. I know. Good guy. Blogs uh, for Discover. Yeah, d-
0: d- discussing the future of uh NASA. Past, NASA. present, and future of NASA.
3: Yeah. It was a panel at the um, a TAM. 11. The, the Amazing Meeting. Yeah. yeah the, the Amazing Meeting. Uh, TAM 11, I think. I've heard, they're counting them. Yeah. And so, and using base 10, so 11 <laughs> would not be the third one. It would be, you know, it's the 11th. <laughs> it's, yeah.
2: he's, he, uh, uh, that's. Uh, you told uh, me I could geek out. Oh, yeah, please, yes, please. Yeah, I, yeah, enjoyed yeah. I enjoyed it. Did you ever hear Tom so Lehrer? Lair- we
3: have 0, one, one, oh, one, one. That would be 3 and base 2.
2: Do you, have, do you ever hear, do you ever hear uh, Tom Lehrer's math song? I, I heard, I know
3: his, he's the, did he do the element song? He did the element yeah. song. I, I don't know if I know the math song.
2: Uh, he has a, he has a song called The New Math, mm-hmm. which, um, was, is genius. I, you know what? Maybe, oh, I'll play it at the end of this podcast and please, uh, don't sue me, Tom Lair. I'll, I'll play it for you after we do the show. He's, but then he does a whole thing in base eight. Okay. <laughs> uh, in, in the song of, like, adding adding numbers. It would it's, be octal, they it's, say. It's brilliant. Uh, okay, so anyway, go ahead. The Amazing oh, yeah. Meeting. Adam Savage goes to those. Uh, Penn Gillette. Uh, uh, oh, yeah.
3: Paul Provenza. It's, it's a, it's a really... people. Yeah. Paul Provenza, it's, we went to high school. Did it's you go to high school with What?
2: You went to Provenza? High school with Provenza? No,
3: he's... I'm a little older than he is, but okay. he, he came after I did. You should do The Green same, Room. Same if he school. does more episodes of The Green Room, you should do it. I think I was in The Green Room. You were? I think they brought The Green Room to that conference. Did he?
2: Did
0: he take one? Oh, on might them? have, yeah. Oh, I, well,
3: he, he was did. sitting next to me for the recording. Okay, good. Would that have been the green room?
0: That probably would have been the okay, green room. Okay, yeah. He ah, was that, there. that's a relief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so go go ahead, Matthew. I uh, know, but you were discussing the uh, past, present, and future of NASA. Oh, on the panel, yes, yeah. yes. And uh, that's a very interesting subject to me. I went to the last shuttle launch,
3: the STS one thirty five. STS
0: one thirty uh, five, which I didn't. I, when it went up, I didn't expect it, but I cried because that you was teared. sort of the end. Can I tell
3: you why you teared? Yes. Even if you don't understand it Please, yourself, go ahead. I'm going to tell you. You listening? Yes. Okay. Because I wrote a whole book on this. It's coming out in February, February oh, 27. What's it called? What's it called? Well, I'll tell you what, I was, what it was called, and then the publisher said it was too depressing and I had to change it. <laughs> the title of the book, as I wrote it, was Failure to Launch. The Dreams and Delusions of Space Enthusiasts. That's a compelling title to oh. me. The oh. that's too depressing. It's got the word failure in it. No one will buy it. So we had to change the title. Happy Space Time? Okay. It was,
0: it's called Space Chronicles. I'd buy both of those. Happy Space Time and Failure.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Here is why you teared. You teared. And I, by the way, I tweeted that entire...
0: No, I was watching. While was, the
3: shuttle yeah. is loading up. into I'm all in it. Yeah. Okay? You cried. Not because it was the last shuttle. But because there was not another spacecraft. To replace it in the adjacent launch pad. Did you cry? Would you have cried during the ending of the Gemini program knowing that the mighty Saturn V was sitting adjacent to it, ready to take us to the moon? Your tear is not the ending of the shuttle missions, it is the lament that there is nothing to replace it to continue our dreams into the future. Extraordinarily
0: depressing Especially when we were Because we I was at Just the- so
3: clarify yeah. You're depressed Not for the end of the shuttle But nothing's next to it There's nothing. admit ready to that go. to yourself There's
0: nothing ready to go Fine There's nothing ready to there go There it is They had mock-ups of the Orion Yeah It's not built Yeah What do you think about it Might the- not ever get built What do you, what do you think about uh, All this going into the private sector Like the It's uh, not
3: all going into the private sector This is all in the book by the way You should invite me back We'll talk about the book You can come back every day every- If you <laughs> want Are you kidding me <laughs> I would be
2: happy
0: to replace first, Jonah.
3: This, you've been on. You've been doing this stuff for twenty years, and this is my first invitation I ever got from you.
2: So. <laughs> oh, we've tried.
0: You know. Well, at least I've tried. Okay. On I've, I've
2: tweeted at you before, but you have so many followers.
3: You, you, you tweeted at say. me. You, you have to tweet to me, not at me.
0: I, but I at replied well, you. The at
2: re- <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. I wasn't able to uh, direct message you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. until, until you follow at Nerdist.
0: All right, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't or at know. Matt Myra. I mean, whatever. It's just like, no. He can't follow both of us. I'm sorry. No, uh, actually. Uh, not fair. Yeah, choose between you. Go ahead.
3: So, yeah, so the private sector will never lead any kind of frontier of discovery. It has never done in the history of our species because when you advance a frontier, which by definition is going where no one has gone before, it costs you things that cannot be valued in the capital markets. The risks are too high. So, for example, the Dutch East India trading company mm-hmm. which were trading all around the world, they were not the first to go from Europe to america mm-hmm. that was columbus that these were government monies that took those risks that put the that, that had motivation that was not specific in their case not specifically economic in fact it was hegemonistic. who <laughs> loved that word but didn't the vikings originally privatize that's what uh, the, apparently but they had no real significant lasting effect they should. didn't bring syphilis back to nor did Europe. they write it down No, so right, right. we didn't get that. exactly so it's the first one that mattered should, was columbus should. basically so the nations Engage in discovery. They, map the ch- they, they create the charts. They map the paths. They patent the new discoveries, the, the new uh, technologies necessary to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. When it becomes routine, then it cedes to private enterprise, and then they take over. Okay. That's how it has always been. So private enterprise will not be the first on Mars. It'll be some country. If not America, perhaps China. Thank you. Uh, Next back to the moon, it will not be private enterprise. Private private enterprise will go to low-Earth orbit where we've been. The patents have been awarded. And if they can get that nice and cheap, NASA should set anything they need to access low-Earth orbit by that route. But don't you think that the
2: idea of, <laughs> even the idea of countries are when you think that Facebook has 750 million users and Apple has more money space than the, f- okay. Facebook? I'm joining
0: Facebook, joining <laughs> that. Where, no, right. where is that? <laughs> I'll friend
2: you on Space. That's book. the uh, no, no, no. That's the that's the enterprise social network. <laughs> that's where they all. Oh, Spock, why are you why do you Wesley, block why me? are you friending no, me no, on Facebook? No, Spock As,
3: blocked me again. While we're I got, I got Spock blocked. While we're inventing vocabulary, Facebook is the social network in the Ascent of the Cube. It is. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Yes. Oh, where the Equatorians are trying to uh, exactly. uh, uh break orbit. To lose weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: to lose <laughs> and weight. That's how they made movies in the 50s, Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> so, but when you consider that Facebook – yeah, that was a Corman film we yeah. just made. When you consider that Facebook has 750 million users and Apple has more money than the government, why – but how, why couldn't they? Oh, figure- they could. They could. They just wouldn't make money on it.
3: Oh, okay. Right. They could. They have enough money. But uh, if you want to call it a business – the premise is that at the end of the day, there's a return on the investment, an ROI. There is right. no ROI when you are breaking a frontier.
2: What are some of the weirdest experiments that you know of that have been done on the sh- in space that that people that a lot of people don't know about? They must have tried everything. In in space. Uh, There's some
3: fun ones, like does a a fish know which way is up when it's sitting in a blob of water? Uh, What happens to a a spider when it spins a web? Does it think about gravity? It turns out many small creatures, gravity is an almost insignificant thing to them. That's why, you know, they are insects and just crawl up your wall and crawl on the ceiling. Gravity is just kind of this incidental force that is just more of an annoyance than anything that they actually have to deal with. You look at microbes that thrive inside of... Pond scum mm-hmm. or droplets of water—they don't care about gravity. Whole other worlds of forces are operating that matter more to them than gravity. So we talk about let's go into zero g and see what's different. There's whole swaths of the animal and plant kingdom that couldn't care the rat's tail about what about the fact that they were in orbit. Th- some of this was captured in the film *A Bug's Life*, the bar scene. In the bar scene, they did not use the bugs, right? Yeah. And so, so they actually are little things. They did not use a cup to give the guy the Bloody Mary, okay? Uh, the, the, the mosquito. The guy, they just brought some blood. I forgot how it was water they added blood to, but it was a blob of water. And they relied on surface tension to keep the shape of the water oh, right. in front of him at the bar stool. That's pretty genius. It's genius. It's, it is. Let us put some actual laws of chemistry and physics in a bug's life and 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 exploit it to the benefit of the comedy of the show. Well, but surely, Pixar, and, what can't you sorry do? Sorry to
2: take it blue, but sh- certainly people have masturbated in space or tried to get pregnant in space or like haven't they done experiments to see if we can procreate?
3: I'm in, not. Uh, alth- on- I'm not authorized to. Do that oh, answer. damn it! <laughs> that means yes. Actually, speaking of, I'm not respond in that if area. If you have to go there, uh, if you're actually in space, any part of you that is ejected from your physical body the rest of your body will recoil <laughs> just, just consider <laughs> okay i'm just that's newton's law of motion right sorry there.
2: sweetheart i got i got a wicked kick <laughs>
3: okay. i got to want to it. we
2: got to do this up against the wall cuz i want to and, play and, and most acts
3: <laughs> of sex would require straps because you'd be bouncing off the walls in zero g Mm-hmm. Um, but but do, would would there be enough? See, I'm trying to keep you guys a little higher than you than where you normally fall. And we're trying to drag you oh, down, <laughs> so we have this
2: perfect this perfect balance. It's a tension that resolves. <laughs> but with 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 uh, bone density loss and to, like, could, could people cro- procreate in in space, or would would it would it make a pregnancy? Too? Did we need? Is there anything that about gravity that that pregnancy? Needs? There's
3: no known. There's no known. There's nothing known that would prevent. Mm-hmm. A woman from either getting pregnant, going to term, and actually giving birth. In fact, the movement of the sperm up the fallopian tube is not gravitational. Right. I mean, you can get pregnant standing up. Okay. It's all muscle contractions and things. And so birth is a sequence of muscle muscle contractions. You can give birth upside down. It's just less comfortable. Sure. Upside down on Earth. So yeah. you can give birth upside down and right side up on Earth. You can give birth in zero G. One of the big questions before we first went into orbit was, can you swallow in space? Oh, wow. Little f- basic functions. Yeah, they didn't functions. Know your organs would work. Right, yeah. right, okay. exactly. And so but they could have probably reasoned that out because you can swallow upside down. Mm-hmm. That's why you see these beer drinking contests where the guy drinks a beer upside down, balancing on his head. If you can drink upside down and right side up, then with zero G, there's no – those are the two opposites of gravity operating on you. So you ought to be able to do it in the middle. There's something called a mean value theorem in math that allows the middle to always be there if the two extremes are working for you.
2: Um, This uh, this was something that I actually didn't – didn't know, uh, and I was disappointed in myself for not knowing this until a couple years. No, wait years for it.
3: We'll be disappointed in you. Go you on. can be.
2: Please, okay. please disappoint me. Was not understanding. I was like, wait a minute. So, you know, we're all, all you know, we, we have these uh, eight and a half planets orbiting the sun. Eight. <laughs> eight planets eight. orbiting
3: eight. the <laughs> sun. Eight. Pluto is not even a half a planet. <laughs> it's not okay? a dwarf planet.
2: I know. Right. I know you're a big, yeah, it's, 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 I know.
0: It's in the Kuiperville.
3: Come so, on. Do you know? Do you know the moon is five times the mass of Pluto? I mean, just get over it. <laughs>
0: Okay, <laughs> it's an ice block, right? It's basically it's a chunk of ice. Yeah, and
3: yeah. I think it's happier now, right? Because it's it's a dwarf planet, a reigning king among other dwarf planets, right? And so it's got to be a happier situation, like,
2: like in a Breakfast Club where Anthony Michael Hall says, "Yeah, I'm kind of like king of the dipshits." Like yeah. that's that's Pluto, uh, but I never knew. I, I never
3: I never knew. Like, wait, did you all, actually say that in the Breakfast Club? In
2: the Breakfast Club, I'm uh, not the Breakfast Club. Sixteen candles. Oh, I'm 60, sorry. Right, Sixteen I, candles. I remember the Breakfast Club. I'm sorry. I, I, I plus Anthony John Michael Hughes. Hall wasn't in. He was. He was in both of them. Was he the nerd kid? He was the nerd kid okay. in both of them. That was
3: Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony oh, yeah, of Michael it was. Hall. Of course. Did you see the license plate that is of uh, the car that his father drove to pick him up in? No. It said equals MC squared.
2: Oh, that's how's awesome. that for trivia. That's, that is good trivia.
3: Geek trivia. Nice. In the Breakfast Club, nice. the geek kid who in the was in this physics club. That meant yeah. his... his His parents are physics folks as well. Yes,
2: and they wanted to hammer that home, so they put that... And
3: and it's a low camera angle when he gets in the car as they all scatter to the the winds at the end of the program. And And, Simple Minds plays everyone out. I love Simple Minds. And then the the plate goes by. Yeah.
2: you get to see it. Glittering prize, greatest hits of the great Simple Minds. Great album. Mm. Great album, Mm -hmm. by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I, I didn't, I had to ask someone, so, oh, I asked someone at the uh, Flandreau Science Center. This is
3: where we're going to be disappointed in you.
2: Yes, you're yes. about to be disappointed, and I apologize. I asked someone, I went to the Flandreau Science Center uh, in Arizona. It's a little, a little tiny observatory there. Uh, are all the planets on the same plane, like, are some planets in, that, that we would perceive are, are higher than others, or are they all, is it sort of like on one, like, horizontal plane that orbits uh, the sun? That's what I. That's what I had never really thought about what? before.
3: So, so what are you embarrassed by?
2: Well, because I just felt like it's an, it was an obvious question. So and did you get an answer? I did get an answer.
3: So then I don't understand what your problem is.
2: Well I, I just I felt like I should have known that there and a no stupid question.
3: Oh, oh 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 so the issue is not that the question was stupid, but that you should have known it long ago. I felt like that is yeah, a, that's that's yeah. a pretty basic question. So yeah, that, that's the first week of Astro one oh one. Yeah. Yeah. So you failed that one. God yeah, yeah. So the planets are all approximately in the same plane. The the most tipped out of the plane is Pluto, mm-hmm. seventeen degrees out. And that's what a, a jerk. It's such a, it's such a loser. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's not even – that's just the, the scratching the surface <laughs> of its antisocial behavior. It crosses the orbit of Neptune.
0: It, 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 Pick it, up the Pluto files while you're buying meals no, other Oh, thank you. Please. Uh, well, as it's long sweet. as we're – and I know
3: that's on Kindle, by the way, the yes, Pluto it is. files. Thanks for the, the second – your second plug for me of the day. And so, so Pluto's tipped 17 degrees out. Next one that's most tipped is uh, Mercury. Okay. is tipped uh, – what is that? About – is it Mercury or, or – or, uh, damn, well, I'm embarrassed now. Whoa. I think it's Tatooine. Oh, that one. <laughs> Planet Vulcan. That's the one that's – It tipped. was wrong. Yeah. But here's the thing. So they're all approximately the same plane and they're all moving in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And that point did not go unremarked upon by scientists of the past, mm-hmm. which is what led to what was called the nebular hypothesis, that the solar system was not just a star that captured planets. Because you were capturing them randomly, some would go in one direction, others would go in other directions. Mm -hmm. Some would orbit top to bottom rather than all in a disk. So since they're all in a disk and in the same direction, then that tells you that they must have something common about their origin. And the nebular hypothesis is that the whole solar system was a big gas cloud that all rotated coherently, mm-hmm. the center formed the sun, and all the planets distributed themselves out to the edges of where you had gas available.
2: And there's nothing that is exactly in the same position on the opposite side of the sun orbiting at the same speed.
3: You mean like Journey to the Far Side of the Sun, that movie? Do you, there was a movie.
2: Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, it's a
3: little before your time, Yes, I think. I'll say yes, even there's though a I There's a movie, know Journey it. to the Far Side of the Sun. So they launch from Earth, mm-hmm. and half the mission length later, they come back to Earth. And they say, did you abort the mission? What, what's up? Turns out they found another planet that orbited exactly opposite Earth across from the sun and I'm had scared. all the same people there. Everything was, was the same except left was right and what, right was left. What, what the? That was. A mirror world. It was a mirror world. Oh, my God. Mirror wow. world. Now, here's one thing that was not a mirror world. The guy goes home. The, one of the astronauts goes home, kisses his wife. Mm-hmm. The wife knew. This is not my man. Uh-oh. Looks like him, you know, walks like him, talks like him. So there must be some left-right thing going on in their tongue.
2: She was cheating mm. on the, guy, with the <laughs> guy from the mirror world. <laughs> Funny.
3: <laughs> so the, 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 the punchline, you know, spoiler alert here, how do you – they figure this out. It takes them a while. Each planet is figuring it out. And they fig- to launch them, they have to know whether the polarity is also switched because that affects the launch code. Yep. Okay. And so they take a guess that the polarity is not switched, even though left right is. And they were correct. And that's that's a wise move because very polarity, very wow. sciencey reasoning for a movie, very especially for a first run movie. That was not some indie movie. That was a first run movie.
2: How do I I miss
3: this? How long how old is this movie? Because you can take a magnet, you can take a bar magnet and put it in the mirror. Yep. north is still north and south is still south, but left right is switched. So yep. they they thought that one through. It's from I think sixty nine. maybe, okay, sixty seven around there.
2: Now, I'm curious. What do you do? What is what is an average day for you uh, consist of? Uh, you know, like when you're not doing star talk or you're not right. Like what what is it? What is an average. Scientist Day for you. The
3: standard deviation on my activities is so large that to speak of an average would be meaningless. Okay. (laughs) Beautiful.
0: How do you how do you conduct astrophysics? What did you do on What did you do on Monday? (laughs) So, uh,
3: so, so, what I'll do is I'll I'll tell you the kinds of things that happens to me in a month. Okay. Okay. In a month, I'll give several lectures Mm -hmm. across the country, around the world. I do Star Talk Radio. Uh, That's a weekly. Uh, radio program which
2: everyone should subscribe to also also
3: podcast and if I can uh, give a cheap plug please starttalkradio.net that
0: is not a cheap plug net everybody you got it
3: starttalkradio.net all all one word and I also um, I also care about my Twitter following yes they care about what I share with them and so I take uh, it's a it's it's a responsibility Mm -hmm. that I've taken on he
0: doesn't waste tweets I've noticed that. Thank this you. No, you're right. Doesn't
3: you. some- He pays attention to me. You, you, you <laughs> pretend like you pay attention. He, he knows what I was doing when I was nine. He's stalking you. <laughs>
0: okay. I like you a I lot. Just read and absorb. Matt
2: okay. wants to cut you open and live in your skin. Okay. So we're going get to that.
3: Just, I don't know when this will post, but just yesterday I. I went a little overboard with my tweets. I got on a periodic table of elements kick. Okay. Because yesterday was announced, just announced, that a new element was officially named after Nikolai Copernicus. Okay. Copernicium. All right. And I was just so jazzed by that. I said, let's just spend a day celebrating the periodic table. So I had like a dozen tweets just just totally rocking the periodic table. <laughs> and so, uh, so some part of my day thinks about – uh, the tweets that I give and uh, what my presence on Facebook. So there's some social media sure. in there. I'm also I'm running the programs of the Hayden Planetarium mm-hmm. although I'm on a kind of a sabbatical now because I have other activities one of which was rising up in my life's priorities is we are making the 21st century version of Carl Sagan's Cosmos.
2: I read that. Whoa. Yes. I read that you were yes. doing that. that yes. and, you, and you knew you knew Dr. It doesn't Dr. count
3: Dr. if you tell me that after I already told you. <laughs> Because then I'd have no evidence that you actually
0: <laughs> read it. I was not aware of it. I would have yes.
3: plugged that. Yeah, okay. So that's what I thought. If you'd actually read it in advance, you would have you led with that. So uh, I'm teaming up with two of the original three creative principles mm-hmm. of the original Cosmos. And we're making 13 episodes. And we're going to air for, on Fox for what? 2013 for, for what? on Fox. Fox. I don't believe you. I, it's totally true. On Fox? On what did we The American Idol Network? the American Idol Network, the Fox News Network. No, the, I. But I, I did know this, and I was going to talk to this about your relationship
2: to to, to Dr. Sagan because yeah. I I know it's isn't it called like Cosmos: A Personal Voyage?
3: Or his a, was a personal voyage. My, Cosmos A space time journey.
2: Space time journey. Okay. Yeah. okay. Stj.
3: <laughs> oh my God! No, you totally should. No, we gotta. We're, we're working on how how we'll shorten that. But yeah, that's that's the operating title right now. Did
2: you ever hear that Symphony of Science song? Oh, where there's they, tons of them. There's several. Yeah. There's,
3: there's, there's like at least a half a dozen
2: yeah the glorious dawn yeah oh yeah the
3: great and I'm in a few of them so I'm, I'm honored that the the creativity of the musicians thought to include me what's what? so what is what is your goal with oh, well your, there's more that I do so no, no, I I uh, when the universe flinches, I get phone calls mm-hmm. from the press. They need a soundbite. And the universe is flinching, like, weekly lately, all right? In a couple of days, we're going to get a buzz cut from an asteroid that will come between us and the moon. Whoa. It is 400 meters across. If this hit, it would be b- a bad day on that sector of the Earth. But we're okay for now. And But it will hit us one day. And so you want to keep an eye on these things. That, so they, I'm getting calls to comment on that. There's uh, So there's always something going on. And— so I, I I try to stay off the streets, by, and, and so do I. and I'm also writing you know I, that's my one of my favorite activities is writing, and I have a a small part of me that's still doing active research, but I want to grow that fraction again when most of this is off my table, most of the rest of the the public stuff
2: what's your What's your underlying goal, and the reason that i that I
3: ask this is because my goal uh, to to move to a desert island with internet and never have to leave it <laughs> That's not bad, yeah. What? It's unrealistic, but that's Richard Branson did it. He what? has an island. Yeah, he he bought the island. Yeah, you could yeah, buy I'm an island. Moving to an island, but yeah, sure, I'll buy an island. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> maybe we maybe we could do Yeah, that. I just I I'm a servant of the public's interest in the universe. I don't actually seek it out. About people don't know this. About fifteen percent. Of the time you see me on Colbert or Daily Show, about 15% of those times, it's because I have like a book and the marketing people want to hawk the book. Sure. The other 85% of the time, it's because the universe flinched and they want a soundbite. And so in that capacity, I'm a servant of the public appetite of the universe. I don't get big-headed about it. I'm happy to be able to serve that role. But when I wake up in the morning, I'm not saying, what new media outlet can I exploit today? That is not going through my head.
2: I meant more along the lines of like— of I'd rather like, just
3: stay home and play with my kids.
2: Of educating people or trying to stamp out ignorance or really trying to, to enlighten people as when, far as science. When
3: I am called, I'm happy to serve that role. Yeah. I'd still rather just stay home with my kids. Is and the, I'm a late breeder. So uh, my daughter's 15. My uh-huh. son is 10. Oh, she's a, she's a big Doctor Who fan,
2: and she is right to be so. Total You're... Whovian. Yes.
3: One one week. She—, she uh, when when she finally got bitten, yep, she downloaded seventy nine episodes Sweet. of Doctor Who. Sounds like someone and got the Spent bill. an entire week watching them. Excellent. She, she did not leave her computer that week, and after that, she emerged. Wow, a Dalek hater. <laughs> okay, she was. <laughs> Everything I know about Doctor Who comes through her tutelage. She like sounds really up.
0: cool. What's your daughter's and name?
3: She's a fan of yours. I I, I got up to notch. Oh by, my God. by telling her that I'd be on your show. What he- is her What's her name? I'm, I can't tell. That's okay did she
0: uh, did she watch our special at aired right after Doctor Who? She probably saw it. I
3: didn't think to ask
0: her if she watched the special. <laughs> I just want to but. say to your daughter that
2: uh, uh, st- stay in the Whovian universe. Uh, you are awesome, and thank you so much uh, for being for being cool. Um, my i guess all uh, you know i we we have to wrap it up here in a minute cuz uh, we're going to actually we're going to do star talk which i'm i'm thoroughly thank excited you we about. got you right
3: after this to um, be be my co-host on star talk yeah. oh my god that's so huge we're going to talk about time i'm
0: excited to Excellent. talk about time it's weird for me cuz i i'm going to it's like i'm losing one that i usually get on a sunday <laughs> it's like, now it's happening now. <laughs> yeah, sorry, you have I'll to see know a what lie, happens. Yeah. Ungrateful jerk. Um,
2: but uh, but uh, uh, people can find you uh, at uh, uh, on StarTalk
3: uh, StarTalkRadio Yeah, that's how you listen to all the back episodes. You have some fun guests in the pa- of the past, including some sort of a listers. Like we had Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. We had, and I asked him, you know. Say something in that voice. And he said, hello, Dr. Tyson. <laughs> it was like, I felt like slapping him. I said, Morgan, you're live. Give me that voice. He probably he probably he probably gets that all the time. People are like, do the penguin's voice. Do, that, do the
2: narration thing that you do. Yeah, so,
0: Tell me how Andy escaped from Shasha.
2: <laughs> how he climbed through all kinds of filth I can't even imagine. <laughs> um, you're
3: also at Neil Tyson on Twitter. At, at Neil Tyson on Twitter. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, of course. And, and I don't. I don't tweet what I had for breakfast unless I'm giving you the count of quarks in sure. breakfast cereal. It would, uh, it's prime. It's not where I am and what I'm doing. It's just thoughts that I have in any given day that merge sort of what the world looks like through the lens of a scientist and how I might express that through the lens of an educator.
2: And, and, it, and, it, it, and a human. There's a humanity to what you do.
3: I'll give you an example. One tweet that got heavily retweeted. I might re- put it out again because it was back in, from the old days, sure. like a year ago. Yep. <laughs> it was, I was driving down the street and I saw the stoplight and I said, hmm, I wonder if we had copper in our blood to carry our oxygen rather than iron, mm-hmm. then our blood would be green. And if that were the case, what color would the stoplight be? Oh. It's red because it's blood. We fear blood. Right. That's danger. It's a danger color. If your blood is green, then green is danger, but then so too are plants. So I was just wondering what kind of dilemma we would have confronted if that were the case.
2: This sort of, this sort of.
3: Uh, th- it's a thought I, I didn't, I didn't invent that for the tweet. That's just a thought I'm having. And so I said it would be a waste if I just kept this bottled between <laughs> my ears. So I said, let me share this with the Twitterverse, and that's what the, that's what my tweets are. They're shared, shared outlooks on our, on our place in the universe.
2: Is that is, it, is there some sort of a is there some sort of a butterfly effect, uh, uh, cause and effect thing that happens with that where you cha- you change one thing and then everything else in the world?
3: It could happen because every red light that now means danger wouldn't mean danger. We just wouldn't know what to make of the color. The color would have no emotional. Oh, meaning that to
2: light's us. all bloody. I don't know. It's <laughs> telling me. It's telling me to bleed. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. What's, what's no, what's there mean? could be other
3: creatures with red blood. It just wouldn't be us. Like Spock has green blood. Spock has green Star blood. blood. Star he sure does. Yep. And crustaceans have green blood. They have copper based. Uh, uh, hemoglobin. That'd be so cool. What, to cut open a crustacean?
2: No, to have copper blood. <laughs> um, I, I, I do. Uh, I, I it turns won- out it's not
3: as efficient transporting oxygen, so we're better with our iron blood.
2: All right, I'll stick with the right, iron. Oh, plus,
3: oh, you want to. Oh, I like when you. If you propagate that back through, Mars would have never been the god of war. The planet Mars would not represent the god of war. Oh, because it's is not red. It's would red. have been red. red. Yeah. It's red, and it's, it's just red.
2: I had an idea for a show Blow once my that my I mind. pitched yeah. to PBS, and they didn't want to go for it, but it, it was called uh, F.E. Chef, Iron Chef. Uh,
0: oh, Okay, and, and,
2: and it was like basically like you take a couple scientists or 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 science teachers, you give them the same handful of elements, and then they just have to make stuff. with Makes them. that's
3: great. They didn't. The PBS didn't pick it
0: up.
2: Nah, they yawned by the time I finished the sentence.
3: You could have called me up. I, we'd, make, are we we are gonna make, we'll make chef. that work. We'll I, so, I want to be your first chef. <laughs> please, because I was so blow some stuff up. I'll ho- I'll host it. I'll host it all dramatic style. <laughs> and let me go a little more geek on you. If you take a a a pattern of six. Iron atoms, mm-hmm. Fe, and you connect them in in your sort of uh, lozen diagram, mm-hmm. lozenge diagram. You remember from chemistry, yes. You know. Okay, so Fe, Fe, Fe. Mm-hmm. So you can say, well, what is that? It's a Ferris wheel.
2: Oh, that's
3: awesome. Oh. A little bit of geek humor for you there. I knew,
2: I knew someone who had like an orange, yeah. like a tabby cat, and the cat was orange, and he called him Ferris. F E R R I. that's cute, right? I
3: right. I and was like, like Ferris, like Ferris Bueller. No, no, Ferris, no. like Iron. Um, yeah, there was a Ferris before Ferris Bueller. There was yeah, yeah. a long I time. You. I don't believe you guys.
2: My last question for you is: Has there been anything that has happened uh, since you have been a scientist? When they, I mean, obviously, when they come to you, when the universe flinches.
3: Where you've said, but well, by the way, they come to others as well. It's just that I happen to live in New York, sure, where the major news gathering headquarters sure. are, sure. And so I'm a cheap date <laughs> for the media. <laughs> That's all. I don't like. I said I don't get big headed about this. I'm just a servant. Okay.
2: You do have a? Is it a comet named after you, or I have an asteroid? You have an asteroid named yeah, after it's you? it's
3: not headed towards Earth. I, I double before I accepted the honor, I double checked to
2: <laughs> see good whether well, it was headed what towards is it? Earth. thirteen five twenty two something like that. Three, one three two one three one, three, one two three. Yeah, exactly. One, one, three, three, one three one two three, two, three, three, three Tyson. Yeah. See, I know shit. I read it. I
3: forgot it. It's a main belt asteroid. Okay. Yeah.
2: Okay. But has there been anything that has happened where you have actually gone, oh, shit, this might actually not be good for all of us? Or is everything ultimate? And you want me to tell you that now? Oh, no, I guess not. Huh? Yeah, I see. do.
3: Yeah. yeah. Here's one. Apophis is on its way. It's a 300-meter cl- class asteroid, and it's got a collision course with Earth. It will come in 2029 close enough to Earth to dip not simply inside of the moon's orbit— That's nothing. Sure. It'll come closer than Earth's orbiting communication satellites. Talk about a buzz cut. There's a buzz cut if there ever was one. We will only know then unless we can tag its ear in LoJack style before then to know exactly where it is in its orbit. Right now we kind of know where it is in its orbit. And because we only kind of know where it is in its orbit, we can't tell you what it will do Next, after that, okay. the uncertainty is too high. And in that uncertainty includes the possibility of Apophis, named for the Egyptian god of death and darkness. Okay. Apophis hitting Earth. And if it, hit, or if it hits Earth, it will hit us uh, in 2036 on April 13th. By the way, April 13th, 2029 is a Friday. Oh! Just to, just to put that. In, in context
2: that's the main one in the Ascent of the Cube uh, <laughs> which where Apophis is the main guy the, in, in there Ascent it is Ascent of the cube. To the
3: cube with the uh, Equatorians,
2: Equatorians uh, it's gonna be yeah. a good one you guys uh, yeah. now I'm sorry I asked <laughs> I thought this was gonna be a past thing like, but then no. we were okay oh it's all gonna be fine everyone <laughs> that's who's who's even gonna remember by then uh, but anyway thank you so much uh, uh, Dr. Tyson it was a pleasure to have you on Happy I'm very and, excited and don't to don't such talks. a
3: stranger I'm here for you I
2: won't I appreciate yeah, that yeah. Thank you. We'll, we will hug it out uh, thanks Matt thanks all right. thank Enjoy your space burrito, everyone. Oh, nice.
0: (laughs) Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.
2: This space-tastic episode of the Nerdist podcast was brought to you by Carbonite Online Backup. Automatic, continual, and unlimited backup for your computer files. Only 59 bucks a year. Try it free at Carbonite.com. Use the offer code NERDIST.
0: I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show